If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 139 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. And if you love the conversations and insight that you get here on the show, consider becoming a health amplifier. You can support the show for as little as the price of a cup of coffee by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Your support is more helpful than you can imagine. And if you could take a moment to rate the show at some point, it will bring more awareness to the important topics that we cover here on the show. And if you have a few nice words to share, even better. So I finally got Dr. Krista Geisler on the show. We've talked about recording together for a few years, but this timing turned out to be perfect to include her for this season's series on baby and maternal care and support. Krista has been in practice as a pediatric dentist for more than 20 years and in private practice for 13 of those. I became acquainted with her because she was one of the few pediatric dentists who treat newborns for tongue, lip, and cheek tie restrictions, which in the early stages of life can cause problems with nursing and feeding, not to mention a lot of discomfort for breastfeeding mothers. Navigating the decision-making process around tongue and lip ties is an unexpected stressor for new parents, and no one wants to put their baby through an unnecessary procedure. We also discussed the new wing of her practice called Release and Breathe Dentistry, that has been informed by being in the mouths of so many kids. She shares with us why she moved into treating not just teeth, but also airway restriction issues. I'm so excited to learn more about this because I see a lot of problems with both adults and the children that I treat. And I know how important it is to intervene as early as possible to minimize health challenges down the road. Some great resources in this short episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Krista Geisler. So I don't know that much about your background as far as what got you interested in dentistry in the first place. I don't think I, as much as we've talked, I don't think I've ever asked you about this before. It's not that great of a story, but I was always knew that I would go to college and get a degree in biology. That was like the only option. Everything else was not interesting. Okay. And I knew I wanted to be have a doctorate of some type. Um, and I thought about following my sister's footsteps. She's a microbiologist. She got a PhD, but worked in a lab one summer and found out that the test tubes don't talk back to you. You can't have real conversations with them. So it was <laughs> right. a little too introverted for me. And one of the, the master's degree students was going on to dental school and he said, you can work four days a week. And that sounded good to me. And so here I am owning my own practice, working five plus days a week. So, <laughs> of course. So that's, that's it was, it lined up practice. well. 
Yeah. And I, I'm thankful. I mean, we all have our different paths, but I do love what I do. So it wasn't something I've always wanted to do since I was five and went to the dentist. It's something that was a good career choice and it fits me, suits me very well. Yeah. Did you ever work for anybody else for any other practice? Oh, yeah. Um, I For eight years, I was an associate in three different practices. Um, first of all, we moved to Iowa City and I... Uh, what is it called? Like when you just get your feet wet or something like that? Are you putting your dues in or something? It was kind of like that. It's like a residency of sorts. It wasn't a residency, but it, it was threw me into the deep end pretty quick. Um, then we moved yep. back to the Twin Cities and I was at a practice for four years and uh, learned my um, learned to love technology and dentistry hmm. and some of the nicer, nicer things. Then I moved on to a practice to try to buy in and eventually open my own from scratch. And did you did you go right into pediatric dentistry? Was was that your interest? You know, when I first, um, I I was older when I had children. So in the beginning, um, I've been a dentist now for twenty one years. I didn't, you know, I didn't understand kids that much. I don't know if I um, liked them that much or maybe was that good <laughs> with them. So um, I am a general dentist. I see a lot of kids, but I see adults too. Okay. But as you know, I've had my own children, and I work with children. I'm much much better with them. I somewhat sometimes understand them and can relate with them and work with them, um, which is great because that's more than half my population is very yeah. young. Yeah. And and so so when did the baby work come along for you and we're doing tongue tie release? Well, I got into it, honestly, with the birth of my second daughter, which was almost 10 years ago. She was born, um, you know, as soon as they lifted up and I, I looked at her, I'm like, well, she's got a tongue tie. Mm. It was not on my radar at all. I said, well, you know, it just made sense that it would be difficult to breastfeed that baby. And I was given the advice in the hospital, just wait and see. I'm like, who even releases baby tongue ties? They're like, yeah. oh, there might be a dentist in the Twin Cities. So it's totally off my radar. But then when you're struggling in the middle of the night with your own infant, you try to solve your problems, go online, yeah, yeah. blow my mind, get blown, learn so many things. Had you learned any yeah. of this in school? Like like just how, no. to, how to detect tongue tie? No, no. And hmm. I had released a couple tongue ties just because they were so severe, but I didn't know the extent um, of what I was doing. I didn't know what I wasn't doing um, to prepare the patient for it. So I knew about tongue ties, but generally tongues for dentists are just something that get in the way right, and we're right. checking for oral cancer. Okay, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's what um, like I came out of school with. So, you know, um, this new students, new grads, they don't know anything about this. Huh. So so what, what were you finding online at that point when you were trying to look at your daughter's you know, tongue. Well, there's a, there's a, in this world, there's a well-known ENT, Bobby Gahari out in Oregon. And he is one of the few MDs who is very much a proponent of breastfeeding and releasing babies and has done quite a bit of research. So I found his, his blogs, his videos, um, learned how to do a release and uh, we released my baby without a laser because I didn't have laser yet. When she was, I think, two weeks old, and okay. immediately the breastfeeding got better. Yeah, I still didn't know all the things I should have been doing around it, surrounding it, um, body work or functional work. Yeah. Um. So, it wasn't one hundred percent successful, but that kind of that was my launch into this. Yeah, as as you know, I I, you know, I I got into this field too without really planning on working with pediatrics, but. I had as as soon as I got into working with babies, I, I had a, a a PT who was also a IBCLC, a lactation consultant, who 
just started coming to sessions all the time with with the the babies and and mothers that she was working with. So she was sort of advising me on on all of this and she knew who all the the pediatric dentists were who did this work. So, you know, it was all brand new to me and it seemed like there were so many so many babies with it, but I guess the reason that most babies end up coming to see me is because they're having a, a lot of latch issues. And so, you know, sometimes I started realizing that there was a lot tied up around the neck and probably hyoid region. But, you know, as, as, as you kind of have on your website, which is, I, I really appreciate that you put all this on there, kind of the, the different symptoms um, that might go along with tongue tie. So what all the different symptoms are for babies and, um, or, you know, the, the, the signs that there may be tongue tie release, I mean, a tongue tie restriction besides just the obvious visual, because the posterior tongue issues are sort of harder to diagnose sometimes, or the cheek mm-hmm. ties are harder to diagnose. So, and then, and then also what, what, what tends to be, what tends to come up, you know, if, if babies, you know, does have a tongue tie, what might be happening with, with mom too, as far as what's happening with the breast, there may be, you know, some other, you know, infections that are happening from damage to the mother, that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, I'll, I'll make sure there are links to this so that anyone can go on there and see all this because the list is long. <laughs> it is um, long and not everybody, it, everybody has their own unique like set of symptoms. Yeah. But that was, for, for me, that was all brand new. And also, you know, because I had been doing functional movement work with people for so long, I, it, it, it really clicked in with me, like what, what might be the challenges functionally for, for a, a, a baby's, you know, tongue, neck, you know, area, since, since that's where most of the development is sort of happening with them when they're, when they're first born. Right, right. Yeah. So that's how we, you and I first got introduced because someone said, you need to meet this Jeremy guy. Um, so <laughs> So and, that's how we met. And and I and I didn't, you know, I, when I was in in Brooklyn, I I didn't know that this was even like a field, you know, to to work with, you know, in coordination with lactation support. Um, but as soon as I got found out about the whole lactation world, found found out about me in Brooklyn, and it's just you know, urban density. So suddenly mm-hmm. I was doing like that became like a quarter of my practice within a very short period of time. So yeah. then I ended up with more experience than anybody else. And so when I I think when I moved to Minneapolis, a lot of people sort of knew about me, you know, in the in the certainly in the lactation support and OT world. So I, I was it was it Dr. Lua that 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 connected us. Or somebody else. I, there was a there was a dentist who had a baby that I released, and she's friends with Dr. Lua, the prosthodontist. So she understood the connection of babies release. You know what you do for for adults and fashion pain and yeah. Um, so she made the connection. Yeah. So so how how much of this do you you know do you see now at the, in in your practice and 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 what what are what are kind of the first like who who leads who leads people to you. Uh, so my practice that I focus on tongue tie and airway and um, jaw growth and development, um, we do get a, <laughs> I've been doing it long enough that people are having their second and third baby. So right, there's right, some right. I'm, I'm in the same place. Um, but chiropractors and body workers are fantastic at realizing there's something up. Yeah. Um, IBCLCs um, and lactation consultants that are not in hospitals are great referral sources. Um, there are, less than five probably pediatricians um, that uh, would refer to me because um, it's, you know, it's a controversial subject to many people. 
still. And, and also, I mean, frankly, pediatricians, it's, it's not really their field of specialty. You know, they're, they're, they're not having to do that much work really, you know, dealing with, with mothers and babies at the breast and, and, and looking at function of the tongue. That's that, you know, most of their work is sort of around, you know, vaccinations and head size and weight growth and all those kinds mm -hmm. of things. So. Right. Yeah. They need to know so much about so many things. Yeah. This is not a uh, focus on, of many of them. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's been, you know, m my referrals tend to come from, you know, people like you or, or sometimes OTs, depending on, you know, what the, what the challenges are, if there's been, especially with difficult birth, but then, you know, I'm in the same boat with, I, you know, I, I, the, the lactation consultants tend to be who send babies to me the most. And then sort of the, the, the revisits of, uh, if I've treated their babies before, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's great to see them. You, you, you know, how is Johnny doing? Oh, he's doing great. We've <laughs> fed for two years afterwards and he's growing and thriving. So it's always neat to check in with those people. Yeah. And, and I think we learned something too, don't you think from, from the, the people who's, if they've had kids with, with challenges before, we kind of have a pretty good sense of, you know, you know, just genetically, there are sometimes just structural things that are very similar between, between kids too. Yeah, yep. We take photos of all the, the oral tissues and it's interesting because sometimes you wouldn't be able to tell Johnny's from Sarah's, uh, you know, in the same family. So. Right. So can, can you explain a little bit about what's the difference between a, a posterior and anterior uh, tongue tie? Yeah. So an anterior tongue tie is tied close to the tip or within millimeters of the tip. And when someone's crying, um, you might see a heart shape or a notch in the tip of the tongue. Mm -hmm. um, and generally, generally, they're really thin, like a guitar string, and generally they attach right into the mandible or the lower jaw the gums where your teeth will be coming in. Mm -hmm. um, so those are more classically, con um, and that was, you know, in the past decades when they did research, that's all they were looking for. So the the prevalence of tongue ties was only looked at for anterior ties. So um, those are pretty severe in the fact that they restrict side to side movement and elevation. Um, that being said, I see some babies that are tied to the tip and that are functioning beautifully or they're, um, the dyad is, um, compensating beautifully. Um, and then there are babies that come in with what we call a posterior tie. So it's still under the tongue in the midline, the floor of the mouth, just doesn't insert so close to the tip of the tongue. So it might insert into the middle third of the blade of the tongue or the back third. And you have to do a maneuver from the 12 o'clock position with your fingers in the baby's mouth and looking from behind them to actually, um, you know, assess a tongue tie. Yeah. And and is is there a, is there a reason um, for addressing it early versus waiting? In in your opinion? Yeah, I always tell people you want to do it as early as possible, as long as the family is ready, the baby is ready, and I mean that by you know has functional support been working on that, has had body work, has support. Um, the younger the um, release, the higher the chance the mom will continue to breastfeed if that was going on. Right. Um, they can relearn how to use their, you know, tongue easier. It's easier for the parents to do the aftercare. Um, they just, they thrive a lot better and they can just get in a good path. Mom's milk supply isn't as um, damaged. Mom doesn't have mastitis as often. Right. Um, and baby doesn't have to, you know, get over such bad um, habits or postures or functions and re relearn how to do things. And, and and what are the what are what do you think are the consequences of 
of not addressing it besides besides those things, kind of more long term. Yeah, yeah, they've done research and um, people, um, children who have a tongue tie have a higher, much higher prevalence of pediatric sleep apnea. Um, it, and for adults and children, the distance from kind of the base of their skull to the front of the, the bone underneath your nose is a smaller number. So their their upper jaw is more retracted in their face, which is always an airway concern. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not as much research about speech. They're, they're coming out with that. Um, but there has been some research of after release that it's improving speech, improving swallowing and, and eating. Um, but I um, when you think about when you have a tongue tie, you have a tongue posture that's low and really predisposes that person to mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. And when you mouth breathe, your your entire cranial facial complex grows in a different way, kind of in a vertical way, a long way, long, narrow face, smaller, higher palate, difficult to breathe through your nose. Um, so more inflammation in the back of the, the nose and the throat. Um, unable to keep your teeth clean if you can't um, lick the sides of your teeth. Um, mm-hmm. So higher risk of cavities. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of self-confidence issues when kids can't speak well. So yeah. These are some of them. I I could probably go on and on. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot, and and it's it, we, and we've done a little work together with with adults with the same issues, and you know it's it's always interesting to me when I have when I have a baby in the room, where I can t- I can clearly tell one of the parents is has either you know tongue mm-hmm. or cheek or lip tie or something. Um, or all of them, yes. or all of them, but you know, sometimes you know we can we can sort of tell from the front teeth, right? That's that's an obvious mm-hmm. one with with mm-hmm. the sort of lip stuff, but um, but you know, you, you, you it's it, it's an easy call in in those situations, but if neither of the parents had had challenges with that, it's it's sometimes harder to 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 convince a parent to do the to do the release, and and that's always you know I feel like what what tends to happen is. They 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 find out about it. Sometimes it's not bad enough. And, and I heard there's a lactation consultant who came up with a, a kind of a, a good way of thinking about the difference in intentions between these different ties, because we're we're basically talking about fascia, which is what I'm kind of you know working with with mm-hmm. craniosacral work all the time. And she described it as you know the <clears throat> the, the more functional tongue ties you know you know or the ones that are borderline tend to be more like the the pink rubber band like around a. a a container of blueberries, whereas the okay. the you know the the ones that definitely need releasing are kind of more like the purple uh, rubber band around asparagus. <laughs> no, yeah, those thick ones. The thick one, right? So it's it's yeah. it's really about density, and and sometimes you can really feel it, or you can kind of just see the the, the lack of of movement in the mouth. But you know, as as your list kind of stated, a lot of the things that we're looking for, or you know, kind, that kind of clue us in, are are like clicking milk leaking out of the mouth, you know, the, the little blister that starts on the, on the lips, you mm-hmm. know, especially the, the upper lip. Um, and just that sort of, just that sort of tightness all around them. The mouth will look really pursed. The jaw will seem really tight. Right. Those that long nursing sessions that are just where the baby doesn't seem to be getting anything. And, you know, it, this is one of those things that, you know, I, I think it's very helpful in these situations to have a lactation consultant because they they will also weigh the baby before and after feedings mm-hmm. to really check and see how much they're getting. And they can kind of track that over over the course of a couple of sessions. Right, right. And tongue ties aren't all there is with breastfeeding. There's a lot of other things that need to be optimized as well and and supported. So. Right. Yeah, and, I agree with that. Which, which is, I think, where you you have a pretty good instinct. It seems for who needs to come see me. 
And, and, I, and I think a lot of times it is, you can sort of tell by the posture, you know, the, the head will be, you know, a little rotated and kind of locked into a position. It may be a torticollis or it may just be sort of a position that they've gotten kind of stuck in a little bit too. It could have even been in a utero position where they were kind of, you know, in that position for a really long time if they were a big baby, you know, towards, mm -hmm. the, towards the end. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's just like the state of the, of the child, <laughs> I'd say, you know, you can sort of tell when, when, when babies are just really having a hard time, if they've, if they've been struggling for, you know, a period of time, I'm, I'm sort of selling my services now, but, but yes, that's, yes. that's, that's sort of where, it, where it becomes helpful just to kind of get them to settle so that they can focus back on, on the task at hand, especially after they've had a, a tongue tie release. Cause you know, that's, that. I, I don't I don't know how stressful it is for babies, but I think that they feed a lot off of how stressful it is for the parents. Yeah, <laughs> don't, mm -hmm. don't you think? And they're, in, and they're they're in the protect mode after a release, so yeah, for um, sure. They learn and grow and change your habits when you're trying to protect yourself at the same time. So yeah, yeah. And getting that autonomic nervous system regulated as best you can before the um, procedures, if there are procedures to be done, um, is key. So yeah. So, so tell me, tell me what's changing now that with, you know, you, with your practice um, and, and your experience, and I know some of it is personal and, and, and some of the stuff has probably also been led by your children, but your, your understanding, and, and I know you've been just kind of really digging into studying and taking courses and going to conferences around, around airway restriction and how to, how to manage that, which I think is a, a huge issue across the board for you know, kids and adults, I start treating kids a lot with this. Um, but what, 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 what are you finding that that's, that's gotten you more interested in that? And, and how are you, how are you working with that population now? Well, not only with the infants, but when they become, you know, toddlers and preschoolers are still struggling with yeah. low tongue posture, you know, bedwetting, all sorts of, um, you know, facial growth and development, you know, sucking their thumb. So there's so many things that are related to this. And so the cool thing that I'm, you know, really digging into is um, besides doing the infant releases and supporting them is doing early interceptive orthodontics or kind of guiding the jaw to grow or catch up mm. to the spot that it should be at that age. Because we have certain measurements now that we know okay. um, that we can improve, um, improve function. There's some um, new research out that um, doing rapid palatal expansion, which is, um, you know, controversial in itself, but um, can reduce the size of tonsils and adenoids because you're widening, you know, that base and yeah. reducing inflammation. So uh, a non-surgical approach to inflamed tissue. So, um, so I'm really getting into treating kids as young as I possibly, well, as long as young as they'll let me. We have like three-year-olds. Okay. Um, trying to put some like not as invasive as possible little appliances in there, and they catch up really quick. Um, oh, cool. And so yeah, they're giving me good feedback that they can breathe. When a three-year-old tells you, "Hey, I have holes in my nose. I can breathe through my nose," you know, <laughs> not prompted. You know, you're doing something right. Yeah. How how do you catch it, or how do the parents catch it? Are do, are, are you catching it in in dentistry or? Um, fifty fifty. So okay. half you know half of the patients I see are in release and breathe, and they know about tongue ties. We kind of let them know that we need a, and so we're we're doing exams at age one and every six months afterwards. Um, so we take pictures and measurements, and we say you know. Um, you know, your child's jaw hasn't grown to its full potential. There's mouth breathing. We bring in other specialists as we can. But so half of them are already kind of like, I would call them airway patients. And the other mm -hmm. half are people who just come in because they their kid needs their first cleaning and exam and they come in. 
Um, they tend to get a little overwhelmed. I try to um, tiptoe into the subject because they don't know their child had a tongue tie. Um, so about half and half, half of them, I, I'm the one to find it and the other half are already airway conscious. Okay. And so, so is this, is this now kind of like a separate wing of your practice where you, where people know they can have that evaluation done with you? Yeah, I, um, I split my practice life smiles where I was doing probably a third of my work was with uh, infants and adults with tongue ties and airway and orthodontics. And I split it into two practices. So my newer practice called Release and Breathe, it's in the same location. I'm doing the same work, but it's allowing me to kind of dive deeper into those um, kind of special type of procedures and practices. And then my general practice is separate. And I think it's a, a launching pad for me to maybe differentiate um, those two practices and maybe bring other um, you know, people on board um, and a different business um, that's not working with dental insurance. You can yeah. do some more, you know, free things, um, not, not free for um, just it frees you up to not be inhibited by, you know, what by insurance just dentistry. Yeah. yeah. So, so how, how, how is that? If I, if I can ask, how is that covered then as far as insurance is concerned for, for evaluations. So a, lot people, a lot of people have, um, for the infants and adults, they submit to their own medical insurance and a lot of times it's covered. Um, and for the orthodontics, they can submit it again to their own dental, but some of the dental plans um, don't cover orthodontics for like three, four year olds and they have a lifetime max of let's say $2,000. So okay. we let the parents um, kind of um, deal with their insurance and we get paid directly, which keeps me from you know, turning turning my practice into a factory and doing the cheapest stuff because right. insurance, you know, takes such a big cut that you can't you can't spend as much time with your patients. You can't do quality stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. And and is there anybody else in our, in our area in Minneapolis doing the the airway restriction? Um, oh yeah, diagnosis? quite a few. It's, okay, is gaining quite a bit. Well, um, I'm part of an airway study club. Where there's a lot of dentists in it, and it's involving body workers, chiropractors, um, speech people, a lot of speech people. Um, so there are quite a few people in the Twin Cities. That's really cool. I I, I didn't know that that was. I mean, and because it's such a huge thing, I I I do I do work with a few different people who do like it, it's it tends to be more with older adults who you know there's there's that other tipping point somewhere around the 40s where <laughs> you know people start having trouble with apnea and but i i don't see this stuff being addressed that i haven't in, in the past seen this stuff addressed at such an early age but i feel like it's it's a much smarter way to to go which is you know i mean that's that's the reason i got into working with babies i felt like if you start if you start addressing some of those kinds of you know structural issues that are going on functional issues that are that are happening with them at a at an early age they'll they'll basically grow out of them it'll it'll and and i my my belief i i think you kind of feel the same way is that the body sort of knows the balance that it's looking for but sometimes kind of gets stuck in a process or stuck with a mm -hmm. you know a, a something structural that happens at a young age yeah yeah and and it's interesting how or it's great when they just thrive afterwards adults right. we have a lot more things are a little bit more deeply seated. It's, for it's a longer path. I know that. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really what got me hooked on, on baby work. I wasn't really planning on it. I had a midwife who was, you know, kept pushing me and saying, Oh, you know, your work would be really helpful for this and for that. And, you know, I had just started a business and had, you know, I was doing movement work with people and body work with them. And then she just asked me to do an evaluation for a baby who ha they wanted to put into a cranial cap because the, the, mm -hmm. the cranials were were really asymmetrical, and one of the eyes wasn't opening very well. 
And so I just, you know, kind of, you know, did, did the evaluation for her and kind of felt around, told her what I noticed. But you're, you know, you're kind of moving with tissue and kind of feel, trying to get a sense of how it's, how it's holding its patterns. And apparently that was enough, you know, because baby's systems are so open, that was enough to just kind of get things moving. And then they go through a growth, you know, spurt every few days. And they sent me a picture the next week of the eye. It looked totally different. That and, is so cool. And then I got hooked. You know, that was because, you know, as we were just saying, like I've been, I would, had been working with adults with sort of chronic hip and neck and back problems for, you know, at least 10 years at that point. And those, you know, some of those people, you're going to work with them for three to six months to get them on track. But then, you know, you see a baby go through something in a session or two and it's like kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Gratification right there. But it teaches you so much about how the body also functions too. Yeah, it does. Well, this is cool. I, I'm so excited to see you moving in this direction. I, I, I started to get a glimpse of it maybe like five years ago or something. And so you are you are fully in now. Yeah, and it's it's hard to not be in. I think about what would it be like if I gave up the airway and the tongue tie. I'd be oh, it'd be so boring, and I'd <laughs> I'd have a hard time being an employee someplace where I'm not allowed to talk about this or treat it. So, um, yeah, it, it's and the awareness and you know social media is um, people become more aware of things on social media. So there's talk about it online. So yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, there, this, is, this is an important part of having a career in, in, in a health field too, I think, is just having the ability to stay open to, to what you really see and not just get into that rut of just, you know, the siloed approach of just like, this is my specialty, this is all I do, this is all I focus on. Because it's so limiting actually, I think, in terms of like how you can look at somebody as a whole and realize like, oh, I can help them in, in other ways that, that are going to benefit the way they feel long-term. Mm -hmm. Yep. I went from being a tooth doctor to a, a health-based doctor who just happens to focus on the lower half of your face. So yeah. um, much more um, fulfilling to be able to look at people as a whole person. Yeah. And because I think it makes sense too, you, you, you go all in on, on one thing and, and you, you get thousands of hours of experience on that one thing. That stuff is pretty easy for you. So then you know, all of a sudden it's, you, you, it's, it's almost inevitable that you're going to, you know, going to become a little broader because you're trying to solve some problem related to that area. And then all of a sudden you see this, this other system that you kind of have a, 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 an instinct about. Right, right. It's just natural to lead in the tongue tie, let into the, to the airway, to sleep, um, jaw growth and development. And um, yeah, it's just a natural progression. I'm learning all the time. So. So cool, Krista. Well, thank you for taking taking the time. I know you're you're busy, and this took a while for us to to make happen. <laughs> but yeah, so sorry cool. about that, Jeremy. Thank you for the work you do with these people and for for your podcast. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Krista. Dr. Krista Geisler, folks. This is one of the many conversations we've had over the years. She's one of the more curious minds I've run into in my career, and it gives me great joy to see her building her care practice the way she has. Having seen her exploring different avenues, probing my brain and the minds of other colleagues, and taking in all of her experience and settling into a new way of practicing that seems to be energizing for her. 
It's such an important thing to continue to cultivate new interests throughout one's life and career. So I'm just so thrilled for her. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can reach out to me anytime at jeremy at highway2.health. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.